Oh, goodness. I stumbled on some yummy gospel this week, y'all, and I cannot wait to share it with you. So welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. I am your host, Joanna Joe Smith, wife of P. Smith Jr. and mother to both serenity and legend. And together we are the Black Love Smiths. And this is what we do. I stand accused, they bent the truth, I swear, so help me God. I've been abused and came to you when they fell me good. This is my truth, I need you to prevail the odds. What do I do? I need Thank help. Thank you, Lord. Please visit blacklovesniffs.com. Yes. For more information about our music ministry, please visit blacklovesmiths.com and follow us on all social media as we aim to give the most high glory. Um, and while we are representatives of the churchless and unchurched believers of El Shaddai. Okay, so now this is the episode four of our chronological Old Testament series to investigate the Bible. We are navigating the King James Version with the help of Elohim, the Supreme Holy Spirit, and by the grace of El Shaddai alone. And we have made some dope discoveries so far, and we have an arsenal of information that is helping us decode this holy book. Last week, we went into a new perspective on the book of Job, where we considered the probability that the book was written to help us get acquainted with Elohim and El Shaddai rather than to be viewed as a testimonial from Job. And when we did that, we realized that we made the right decision. We're on the winning team by choosing the God who is full of amazing characteristics, um, who lives, who redeems, um, who speaks purpose through dreams and visions and has a marvelously thunderous voice box, just to name a few outstanding qualities. So you can check out that third episode when you have time. But after Job comes Genesis chapter 11 in our chronological journey. And we already read Genesis chapters 1 through 10 from the creation to the garden to the flood. Then we jump to Job to understand God better and how to be considered perfect enough for El Shaddai to brag about. And now we return to Genesis to cover the Tower of Babel. First question, who is speaking? We got Moses here, y'all. All right. He wrote Genesis. So briefly, who is Moses? Moses is a natural born leader of Elohim's people. He is a testimony of redemption. He is a member of El Shaddai's VIP section for Club Sabbath every Saturday, like literally a friend of the Most High God. So we're not talking about Moses today, but we're going to get to his story eventually. Um, today, we just need to know that Moses wrote the Pentateuch. All right, which are the first five Bible books, according to what he heard God say to him. All right, not according to what he felt like he should write. Okay, Moses actually saw some things. So Genesis is written like a witness to the main characters. All right. So an example would be like your homegirl or homeboy saying to you, I went to the store and the cashier smiled at me. You feel like you can repeat that as a fact based on your relationship with your homegirl or homeboy. You know that they wouldn't lie to you. So what they say is what you believe and therefore is your truth. That's how Moses is with El Shaddai. All right. So he isn't the kind of guy who is interested in being well liked or famous. He's not around for most of the fluff. That's not who Moses is. All right. Moses is the guy from your high school that has a ton of friends because he doesn't need any friends. All right. He's the guy people think is so cool, but has no name brand clothing. He's low key. So he's popular. All right. He's got this short temper with wrath, um, uh, with a wrath that actually hurts people. But remember, 
that righteous anger definition for wrath that we spoke about in episode three, all right? And because Moses is not around for the foolishness, he gets to chill with God. He's authentic. He's genuine. So he's what we call a real one. You know what I mean? So he gets to write the straight facts according to his integrity, and you can't get him to budge on his truth. All right. So remember all of this when we get into his story. But for now, we simply apply this character development to the script at hand. All right. That is now chapter 11 of Genesis. We got Moses as the author and we got an understanding of God's character from Job. And we have all our tools, our Bible staples, our snacks and our soft drinks. And now let's set the scene and see what I found in the Bible this week. This is the book of Joe. My book. Let's go deep inside where the sea People stop reading the Bible. Let's open up the Exodus 28-11. They don't understand it. Glory to God. There are so many promises in this book. We got to get back to telling the truth. John 16-33. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. Nah, I'm not a minister. <laughs> Some people just need to see it from a different perspective. God really is good all the time. God says, if he loved me, keep my commandments. I first ask myself, who's speaking? Did you trick you? And then everything sounds different from there. But God does not lie. I'm Jill, and this is what I found in the Bible. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, El Shaddai, for choosing me yet again. I thank you for bringing me amongst the listeners, whoever is in the sound of my voice. I pray a blessing over their lives right now. What is uh, about to be uh, discovered in this podcast is a lot to take in. So we will take some breaks, Father God, but I pray that in those times and in those breaks, you assure and reassure and firm up those who are listening to continue to seek your face, continue to to chase after righteousness, continue to look for the truth as if their life and souls depend on it because it does. We know that you'll bring us to the water. It's up to us to drink it. We thank you. We honor you and we bless you. Hallelujah. All right. So to read chapter 11, we're going to have to prepare ourselves to use the tools we gathered from episode two, which was what's in a name, or maybe it was episode one. What do you believe? Either way, I'm referring to lineage breakdowns and translations, all right? So remember how I shared with y'all that when we translate names in a lineage, we can hear a whole new conversation being had, or at minimum, we hear a prophetic proclamation over the fate of that piece of the family tree. Well, chapter 11 of Genesis is not long, but it's heavier than it appears. So it's going to take me a second to get through it. So I want y'all to stay with me. All right, let's turn there now to verse one in chapter 11. It says, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Wait a minute. Who is the whole earth post flood? Because remember, that's where we left off. The whole earth is destroyed. So now see, I want to jump right into chapter 11, but I can't because now I got to go back and find the scene, the characters of this scene, all right, who we're not sure of. So we go back and back up to chapter 11, all right? Genesis chapter 11, verse one says, now these, the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, 
and unto them were the sons born after the flood. Okay, so clearly this is where we need to be to get to where we got to go today, right? So we got to back up a little bit, y'all. Now, what Bible staple does Genesis chapter 10 verse 1 have? Somebody, if you said these the generations of, I'm sending you the biggest audio high five right now, all right? Because what did we discover about when the Bible uses these words? Yes, we discovered that the names to follow these words can be decoded into prophecy for that lineage. So what do we got to do? Write again, decode. So read that chapter and write down the names in order as they are mentioned and follow the branches that spring off as the offspring to keep it organized, okay? And when you finish, you will once again have three lineages. One will be a line that's against God and cursed, and the other two will be combined for God's glory. All right, we've seen this already with Adam and Eve. They had three children, Cain and Abel and Seth, and the three lineages were really two because Abel's line was replaced with Seth's and Cain was rogue from the start. Y'all with me? Okay, all right. And just like that line, we now have Shem, Ham and Japheth. But which line is the cursed line? Do y'all remember from episode one? If you said Ham's, then I am proud of you because yes, Ham or Ham was the son that found Noah drunk and the Bible staple of nakedness reemerged for the first time since Eve and Adam were naked in the garden. I'm just refreshing your brains here, all right? So Ham was cursed by his daddy, Noah, for exposing him to his brothers, Shem and Japheth, rather than covering his father's shame or nakedness the way his brothers did, all right? So Ham's line is cursed. Let's sort these names out. We're going to go through the names more than we're going to go through the word. Let's go name to name, all right? We start with Japheth. Japheth means to grow bigger with whatever, literally. So this means to me that his lineage will prophetically combine with his younger brothers and still prosper. Don't take my word for it though. We're going to read. Oh, little side note. Usually the last child mentioned in the announcement of the children is the eldest child. All right. Just a little side note for your future reading. I'll tell you uh, why though a little later. So Japheth, who is the eldest, had seven sons. So we see that biblical number of seven right off the bat. But the, the, of the seven sons that Japheth had, the Bible is only going to follow two from the lineage. And, and we'll see what that is. So let's work. The seven sons are Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javon, Tubal, like Tubal Cain, Meshech, and Tiras. Now, what we got to do? That's right. We got to translate even that line. All right. So just so y'all know, most of my name translations today come from the Abraim Publications um, Biblical Name Vault at abarim-publications.com. All right. I was really grateful for their insight during this study because they give Hebrew spellings and root verb etymology for the names that you look up. So I really love that. A lot of times when I type a name along with the words meaning in Hebrew into Google, I get some answers that 
seem to go along with an agenda rather than the actual meaning of the word itself. The transliterated definitions are sometimes far, far off from the true meaning of the name. And since we're trying to uncover some hidden prophecy in the lineage, I wanted to stay as close to the intended definition as I can. So to use an example from, from a previous podcast, when I search Hercules meaning in Greek, um, I, I'm not looking for the complete fable or story about Hercules. I am looking for the definition of his name when translated from Greek to English, which is Hebrew, which is a hero, okay? So my reason for this is I truly believe that there are messages in the name sequences. And if you were Hebrew, you would get it relatively easily when these stories were read to you. It's like me saying to you, my listeners, the store begat ice cream, begat butter pecan, begat hurry. If I spoke this to you using names prior to the begats that were defined by the word you, words you heard me say, then you could easily tell I wanted butter pecan ice cream from the store as soon as possible, right? So that's really what's happening here. For a Hebrew, these listed names could very much sound like my example to those who know the language, okay? So here we go. Of Japheth's seven sons, we found we follow Gomer's line first. So Gomer in Hebrew means completion or complete from the verb to bring an end. Magog, the second son, is rooftop or place of the roof, or it also means global discussion like the internet. Let's stop here. Some of y'all are like, how can it be that the internet is in the Bible? Well, there is a theory floating about that our timeline is actually way off and that what we've been told was eons ago was not very long ago at all. Some people believe that the reason many of us can only remember our great-great-grandparents' names or maybe even our great-great-great-greats name is because we'll start running into biblical stuff if we continued further. I don't know, but I'm just letting y'all know Magog means rooftop in Hebrew, Um, but it also means the internet. All right. And I wonder if that rooftop meaning includes the upper room, which we can jot down as a Bible staple for the future, because that's going to come up again. Anyway, another side note, guys, um, as I was reading, I was like, this is a little confusing, God. And I was told by the Holy Spirit when I said that not to focus on the words making sense as much as the visions that they create when they're said in sequence. So some will read more smoothly than others when we translate them. But remember, our characteristics of El Shaddai say that he's a God who gives purpose through dreams and visions. So as I say, finalized translations in this lesson, you may want to close your eyes and receive the visual to get an understanding of what's to come of the lineage actually, okay? All right, so back to translations. We got another son of Japheth, Madai, and that means to measure by Yah. Yah means Yahweh, so to measure by Yahweh. My measure is also a definition for it, and out of the abundance or as often as, okay? Then we got Javon. All right, we end up following his line later, but it goes Javon, which means um, mire or mud man or man of the dirt or man of clay then, right? So his line is one of the two from Japheth's sons that actually has a branch. So I want to note that his name is similar to Adam's in meaning. And Adam means red, one from soil or beginning. All right, that's important. Tubal comes from the Hebrew word tebel 
which means world economy. So that's way different than what I found in earlier studies. So I kind of now want to go back and research the other lineages that we broke down um, using this site that I found because it really brings the Bible so so current and it has those Hebrew verb associations um, for each of these names. So it feels a lot more accurate to me. But I am of the mind that um, you find what's due for you in the moment that you discover it when the Holy Spirit is guiding you through your studies. So even when I go back to translate, it will not necessarily change the former discovery that was right for that time. This will only just create a new discovery for us. And I think that's important to say, you know, you gotta be gentle with yourselves on this journey, y'all, because we study to understand and to grow. This is the quest I on or my search for my answers to questions, right? All right, so next. Next up, we got a Meshach. All right. And that's not in my Abraham vault. So then maybe that's why we don't follow it, because it has no Hebrew connotation. Um, but the Internet says that it means price. But my Abraham vault did have mashak as a verb meaning to draw or drag. So that seems better if I'm going to use it. And the name reminds me of Meshach from Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and Meshach, um, which comes up as who is what a coup is. And a coup is a Babylonian god of the moon. So this would explain why this line was not followed as well or extended because it would be breaking uh, commandment one and we don't tolerate that. So then we got the seventh son of Japheth and that's Tiras. My link is unclear of the meaning, but they tied it to the Hebrew verb rasas, which means to moisten. And, um, it may mean desire or frag fragmentizer or moistener or moist moistener. Anyway, what do we have when we put it all together? We have complete rooftop or upper room global discussion or internet measured by Yahweh, mud man, world economy to draw desire. That's what we get. All right. Now we branch off chapter 10, verse three and four. It says, and the sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, Rip. Ripfath and Togarma, Togarma, and the sons of Javon, Elisha, and Tarshish, Ketim, and Godadim. All right, so what did we just say? Completion, fire like sprinkles, so fire is scattered, and the fruit grain crushers, and the healers bone breaker, the mud man. God is salvation. His Excellency, Breaking Subjection, White Dove, Search for Alabaster, Courage or Confidence, Beaters, Pulverizers, and Leaders. Sounds like poetry to be effective in making us feel something when we hear it. That's JPEF's line. And I'm going to let that sit for a second. Um, it seems to have a little of everything in it. And I've noticed that mixy lines like that from the Bible are usually representatives of the Gentiles who are kind of a hodgepodge. And interestingly enough, it has the man of the mud. All right. We talked about Adam being that. All right. Um, and it has God as salvation. Right. It also has the concept of anointing too. So we know about the oil in the alabaster box. Right. I come to pour my praise on him like oil. All right, anyway, <laughs> these are just notes, all right? Next, we have 
Ham's line. Let's see what we can uh, find in his lineage translation. So Ham has two completely different meanings for his name. One is hot or protective wall and the other means noisy. Ham has four sons. We have Cush, Mizraim, Phut, and Canaan. What did we say? Cush has no definition in the vault. So the internet says that it means an Ethiopian. Perhaps its definition is foggy for Hebrew because if it means dark skin like the internet say, then Hebrews might be confused as to who it's referring to as most Hebrews are people of color. So I can explain that another time. Moving on. Mizraim means double siege or double distress. Fut is also not in my Ibrahim list. But the internet says that it means the name put, which is Egyptian in, in its roots for gift. All right. So lastly, we have Canaan. Canaan means the land of purple from the root word Kinanu, which means purple. And this is an ode to the Phoenicians, the Phoenicians who discovered the Murex snail whose dye turned fabrics royal purple. I learned this from teaching my son uh, world history at homeschool. All right. So the fabric was a hot commodity, that purple dyed fabric. And it brought the Phoenicians who contributed the modern uh, alphabet to our history, a great deal of wealth and high status among the royals. That's why we get that royal purple, all right? And it's um, in all of the surrounding areas from this land. So Canaan also means international trade. And I thought that that was interesting, all right? It could also be international synchronicity which is synchronized, which is also something that we can actually take because uh, we, we're getting into the Tower of Babel today. But anyway, put it all together and what do you got? You got cursed protective wall, an Ethiopian double distress gift, the land of purple or international trade. Okay, then we follow Cush. All right, so Cush had Seba or Seba and Havila, Sabta, Rama, and Sapteca. All right. Translate that. We got a drunkard, a languishing village, breaking through, thundering, in circle, perhaps global, depression. All right. Then Rama and Sheba and Dadan. All right. Rama had Sheba and Dadan, I should say. So Sheba has two meanings. The name appears in both the blessed line and the cursed line. So since we're talking about the cursed line, I took the negative meaning of drunkard or captive. Um, it also means an oath or the number seven. So out of the thundering, a captive leading gently or slowly? Maybe. The Holy Spirit helped me understand that this could also mean out of the voice of God, the thundering, a spirit inhabiting the flesh leads gently since we know that liquor liquor houses spirits all right so moving on uh this ain't even the point of today's reading and so we have a lot to cover so let's keep going now cush had nimrod that's chapter 10 verse 8 and 9 and cush the ethiopian begat nimrod and he began to be it says i'm sorry cush um begat nimrod he began to be a mighty one in the earth he was a mighty hunter before El Shaddai, colons, meaning it's going to explain what's before it. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before El Shaddai. So this makes me think of Prester John. 
Pastor John is a man that someone told me about. I don't know a lot about him, except that he's a black man, the king of Ethiopia, featured on the David Rumsey map of the world. You can look that map up. And that map expresses multiple other lands beyond the ice wall of Antarctica. And I got that information from the same man who said that Jesus and the New Testament is to be revisited with scrutiny. And so you can look up the David Rumsey map yourself and see Prester John there. I did some work translating the language of it when I saw it. But anywho, this is just notes. All right. Back to Nimrod. He was starting to get so famous for being a mighty hunter before El Shaddai that it became a common saying is what that verse was saying. All right. That's why it says began to be. All right. Now Nimrod itself means rebel. Reb El. All right. Now, Reb is a title given to Jewish men of honor where rabbi comes from. So I find it interesting that it's in the wrong bloodline. This is the cursed line of Ham we're decoding. So why we can draw correlation to the Jewish religion, just as we were able to draw correlation to Satan and the crucifix of the Christian religion, I don't know. Things are getting a little hairy over here. But let's keep going. Let's 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 keep going. It's uh it's a walk, right? All right. Now from this rebel came Babel, Peep Babe El, and E L in the wrong lineage is symbolic of a third commandment being broken. We talked about that. You cannot take his name in vain, y'all. Right. So we got Babel and Eric and Akkad and Kalne as the beginning of Nimrod's kingdom in the land of Shinar. Now people say. Babel means confusion, but my Abraim Volt has a very different definition for that name, right? And so Babel means the gate of God, which we can dig because clearly it wields the L of Elohim. So we know God's in the name, but it can also mean anointed or saturated. The words through production, through drive, through trying to please God or propitiation. All right. So... Some reoccurring imagery is in there on that one. And I see the anointed in that wrong line um, a few times now, y'all. So I'm taking note of that. All right. So what do we get when we translate the line of this rebel? We got Eric, which means length, long or tall, right? We got Akkad, which means a jar, so a vessel related to Nebuchadnezzar, right? And then we have Kalne, the center of the world. We have Shinar, which means cast to cast out a breach, all right? So Nimrod's lineage reads, a tall gate of God, a vessel related to Nebuchadnezzar, who was another builder that we'll get to later, center of the world to cast out a breach, all right? Now keep this sequence in mind. It's what gets elaborated on in chapter 11. We're talking about the Tower of Babel, all right? We'll get to it when we get to it because there's still a little more to know about chapter 10, but keep your head on a swivel. We're getting there. All right, let's keep going and see what's next in the group of names we find. Out of Shinar, the land named to cast out a breach, comes Asher, meaning level plain or a step. When I read this, I thought of the Great Plains of America, but when I looked up the largest plains, I got the West Siberian Plain of Russia, all right? Then the next name in line is Nineveh, which is unclear in my Abraham vault, but it's they tied it to a place of fish or offspring's habitation. Or the definition that stood out to me was a strong propagation of the seat 
of government. This definition is from the Hebrew verb nun, which means to propagate, and the verb nawe, which means to be, to be a seat of government, all right? So the word propagate, like propaganda, it means to spread widely or to transmit through a medium or a vessel, basically, right? So that's cohesive with the list that we just broke down in regard to the tower. So y'all stay with me. Next name, we got Rehoboth, which is a wide city. Then we got Kala, like new, or uh, which means like new, or a stern gaze, or a glare. And then it says, Rezin was between Nineveh and Kala. So Rezin means head of spring, or halter, or bridle, or jaw, which comes from the verb that's the Hebrew verb that's meant to control. All right. So the sequence would read, if we translated all of that, like this. A level plain and a wide city, possibly in Russia. The strong propagation or widespread of the seat of government, bridle. For, bridle, which means for control, like new or refreshed. So all I hear is new world order when I read that. I don't know about y'all. There's so much in the name, y'all. And we're only in Genesis of what is supposed to be a super old book. This P. Smith Jr., I know that was a lot. So we're going to pause right here for a quick music break. Mm. Hold on, I got to turn my headphone around. That's, that's all right, keep going. Mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. the Black Love Schools, please visit blacklovesnews.com. Hold on, I gotta turn my headphone around. That's, that's all right, keep going. Mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. Let's continue. What else comes of this curse line? The list goes like this. We got Mizraim, we've got Ludim, we've got Ananim, we've got Lehabim, and we've got Naptupim. Okay, which means double siege, double distress. It means those of lewd, bending, almond tree, twisted from the verb loose, which means to turn aside. All right, then we've got ananim, um, anamim, which means responding waters. We've got flaming or flames, which is lahabim, and then we have openings, which is natupim. All right, what's going on here? Siege is a takeover, right? So this would read. A double takeover, those who turn aside, the waters respond in the flames at the openings. Hmm. Now there's something in this, all right? Referring to the Shinar breach, you know? Y'all tell me what y'all think we're getting at, all right? Think what we're getting from it. You can call 3132, the BLS, and leave me a message. I think of the flaming swords in the opening of the garden when I read this. I don't know. I'm going to have to meditate on it. All right, then from chapter 10, verse 14, we got Pathrusim, Kazluhim, out of whom came Philistine and Katurim. All right, so the Pathrasites were people from Pathros or Egypt's southern parts near Nubia. Those are the dark skinned people. 
all right? We're talking about the, the Sudanese people, all right? And then we've got um, Kasluhin, which equals fools. It translates to fools from the verb kasal, meaning mental inter invertebrate, all right? Then we've got the Philistine, which uh, refers to the griever or the borrower from the verb palash, to borrow or grieve loudly, all right? Then we got the captorine, all right, are, uh, which are the descendants of captor, the protective wall, cap meaning open hand, and tur to sweep, and tor means a dove. So I want to take a second to note that this lineage reconnects to ham, the protective wall or barrier, right, in this sequence. And so in essence, it starts with ham and ends with ham because the word connects back to ham saying protective wall, captor, all right? And so it seems that the descendants of ham were very interested in the protective barrier or wall, which I believe is the firmament, all right? And it seems that their intent is to breach it from what we've been able to translate. And we will see them in chapter 11 making the gate to breach it, all right? What else can we find hidden in the names? Let's go to Genesis chapter 10, verse 15 through 21. And it creates the following lineage. We have Canaan, the land of purple or international trade. We have Sidon, his firstborn, which is fishery or the hunting place. And then we have Heth, which means terror or dread. And then we have Jubusite. And my link didn't have this one. So Jubus is a variant from the word Juberus or doubtful which we, when we research the Jebusite, um, Jebusite comes up. And these are Jews um, named for the people of Jerusalem. But there is also a term called Jubu, and it's um, spelled J-E-B, I mean J-E-W-B-U. And these are the people who have both Jewish and Buddhist customs. And we can rest assured either way, whatever the definition means, that it's a kind of people. So let's move on. We have the Amorites, who are the talkers. We have the Gergesites, which are the dwellers in clay soil, mud. Remember Javon's line, okay? Now, let's stop here a second anyway, because I got to go back to Job um, chapter 25, verse 6. I remember reading something that I was so confused about, and it was Bildad. And he was saying, how much less man a worm and the son of man a worm? So worms dwell in the mud, do they not? And so I'm taking note that the term son of man is being used in association with a worm and that the mud dwellers are in the cursed lineage breakdown of Ham's descendants. So this might have something to do with the, the, the whole Jesus, the son of man, um, who he is or who he isn't. So we'll get back to it. All right. Next, we have in the names Hevites. All right. The Hevites are tent villages. Remember, Jabal from the line of Cain. Lamech and Ada's son, who was the father of the tent dwellers, Genesis chapter 4, verse 20. All right. Then we got the Archites. That means fugitives or gnawers, right? And that comes from the verb Arak, which means to gnaw or to flee. Again, we got Cain. The first time fugitive is mentioned in this Bible is Genesis chapter 4, verse, 20, uh, verse 13. And it means um, and it was listed in reference to Cain, who was a murderer fugitive, right? Then we've got Sinite. Sinite means the thorn bush. Now, could this be where the infamous crown of thorns derives from or the burning bush of Moses? 
Mount Sinai is also associated with this word. Mount Sinai is where we got the Ten Commandments, traditionally called Jabal Musa or Mount Moses. It's associated on um, the Sinai Peninsula, a part of Egypt. Jabal is from the line of Cain. Cain was a fugitive murderer. Moses too murdered and fled. Moses is the author of this book. It's just notes, y'all. It's just connecting though. You know what I'm saying? It's connected. Sin is another derivative of Sinai. Do you know that Sin is the name of the lunar deity that uh, the city of Sin or Sin City was named after in Ezekiel chapter 30, 15? There, El Shaddai says, and I will pour my fury upon Sin, capitalized, that strength, I mean, I'm sorry, the strength of Egypt, and I will cut off the multitude of no, and I will set fire in Egypt. Sin shall have great pain. Remember Japheth's son, whose name meant the moon, was not selected to branch off? This is just notes. He's not talking about sin as we know it to be. I find the lunar correlation interesting because Bildad refers to the moon in the verse before the one I read about the sons of man and the worm. So maybe when we get there, I'll break down sin and the moon more, but we're seeing the moon indicates idolatry against Elohim and El Shaddai, according to Ezekiel chapter 30, verse 15. All right, so we got issues with the moon. Let's stay on course, but I'm taking notes, all right? Now we got the Arvadite, which also means fugitive in the singular form from Hebrew word Arad, which means to flee, all right? Arvad is also a Phoenician city. That further supports that the land of purple refers to the Phoenician purple dye that made them rich, okay? Then we have the next name in the list is Zimarat, Zimarate or Zimarate which means woolly, all right? And I, I thought of Esau right away as he's called hairy. I thought of sheep and I thought of the hair like wool reference in Revelation saying that Jesus had head, head and hairs like hair, head and hairs, white like wool, as white as snow and his eyes as a flame, voice as the sound of many waters. And I took notes it was my first time reading that description for myself and I realized it doesn't sound like the stuff um, I was taught about it. Not at all, actually, and not to me, but perhaps another day we'll get into that. The next name in the line is Hamathite, which means fortification, all right, to protect or surround or to fortify or to make stronger, all right, to shore up. It also means hotness too, from the Hebrew word Hamam, to be hot, all right? And afterward, were the families of the Canaanites spread abroad, all right? So back to Sidon, we have the fishery or the hunting place. We have Gerard, all right, which means dragging. We have Gaza, which means strong. We have Saddam, which means a whole bunch of different things, all right, from the Hebrew verb Saddam, um, which means to burn, Sadad to harrow, or, or plow a field, and then shadad to act violently. My link says um, it could mean flaming, burnt, furrows, wet fields, demons, breasts, or literally the phrase their assembly. Um, 
Gomorrah means tyrannical dealings or people of fear. It comes from the verb amar, which is to grip or bind, and am, which is a noun for people, so to grip or bind the people. And then adma is the red ground or earth. Um, and what makes the ground red? Right, blood. So adam um, is associated with this word. And the verb means red. Esau was also called red. Neither Adam or Esau uh, were blessed. Both were cursed, okay? So Zeboim means collectives from the Hebrew verb Saba, which means to be collective, also as an association with gazelles. Um, and so I see horns when I think of these majestic animals as well. And then finally, we have Lasha, which means to be gaped at or to be delighted in. Note, Saddam, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboim are four of the five cities that were destroyed. Okay, we haven't gotten there yet, but it's just a little note to take on. Put it all together and what do you got? Land of Purple International Trade, the, Fahit, the uh, Phoenicians, hunting place of the firstborn. Why did I add that there? Because it's a specification made in this lineage that's not made in prior lineage announcements. So um, it's only made from Canaan to Sidon so far. So Bible staple right now, y'all, anything that stands out is worth pointing out. All right, so let's get back to translating this whole thing. It means land of purple or international trade, hunting place of the firstborn, terror, talk, terror talkers, dwellers in clay soil, tent villagers, fugitives, thornbush fugitive, the woolly to be made stronger fortification, right? The hunting place, dragging strong burnt people of fear, red ground collectives to be delighted in. Very poetic and quite the painted picture for this lineage, right? Two things I want to point out. One, notice how the first fugitive is plural and after tent villagers, right? And the second is the thornbush fugitive. Who could that be if not Moses? All right, with the burning bush, right? Who was a fugitive and also cursed in the sense that he got to see the promised land but wasn't able to go in? All right, we'll get there. I'm just trying to help us see the prophetic translations in these lineages. And then number two, what are red ground collectives? Things the red ground collects. What makes the ground red? Earlier we said blood. So that last phrase is further translated to blood to be delighted in. Now, if y'all know some things, um, some of the things that go on out of sight in this world, then y'all know what the Canaanites represent in this poetic passage, all right? that That's Ham's lineage right there, all right? So let's pause for a quick break. Okay, now, finally, the last son of Noah, Shem, chapter 10, verse 21. The lineage reads, Unto Shem also all the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth, the elder. Meaning, Japheth was older and true to our Bible staple where we have the younger favored over the elder. Even to him were born, it says. This means that Japheth's lineage would join Shem's just as Abel's joined Seth's. That's why they made this separated distinction. If you listen to my podcast on the fate of Esau, I explain this concept a bit more. 
that podcast may need to be updated in a few areas, but the meat is there. So remember, if something stands out, it's worth pointing out. Okay, back to the Bible. It says Eber split in two, as all decisions do. So here comes our new blessed and cursed line because Eber translates to Hebrew. That's where that name comes from. All right, we have Peleg on the one hand, he represents the Hebrews that were scattered. We're getting to it. And then Joktan um, was on was his brother, meaning Peleg's brother. So Joktan was not a brother to Peleg then, right? Because just like Abel was Cain's brother, Cain was no brother to Abel. All right. So that's how we know that Peleg has the blessing. His lineage is in chapter 11. But let's finish up with Shem's, Shem's um, lineage of Hebrews that split at the two brother mark. All right. That's driving our two brothers theory home yet again. All right. Okay. So the lineage of Joktan reads Joktan, Almodad, Sheleth, Hazar Marveth, Hazar Marveth. All right. Jera, Hadaram, Uzal, Dikla, um, Obal, Abimael, all right, Sheba, Ophir, and Havila, sons of Joktan, all right? So they lived from Misha as you traveled east, all right, that's towards the trash, to Sephara Mountain. So what did we just say? We said Joktan, which means he will be small. We said Amodad, which means immeasurable or how God loves. We said Sheleth, drawn out. We said Hazamaveth which means village of death. We said Jera, moon. It means moon. Remember Aku. It's, um, so the Ibrahim publication attaches Jera to Ara, the verb, which means to wander, or it attaches to the word Yarea, which means the moon. But when we look it up on the web, it says it means Jehovah sees. Now I stop here because y'all know I'm from episode, uh, y'all know from episode two, what's in the name that Jehovah is a made up name unintentionally, but it is a derivative of the Tetragrammaton, which is YHWH, which is where Yahweh comes from and words like hallelujah come from. So there is no etymology in Hebrew for Jehovah, but we need to be careful, right? We need to be careful because if we're following this, Yare means the moon, but they have Jera meaning or Yare meet the moon, meaning that it comes from Jehovah, which means that you would be celebrating the moon. All right. So why do we have a word such uh, a word have such a dishonest definition pop up first on the web? Well, because we are the people of the sun and the maker of the sun is Elohim and the moon has many offensive connotations in the Bible and is often in opposition of the sun. So this is applicable to those calendars as well that are placed in lunar years. All right. So that's kind of getting at the Muslims now. I'm not really going ham on anybody. I'm just giving you guys your facts. All right. So the moon was created in balance and um, as a means of pointing out the, the positivity of the sun. All right. So y'all know balance is a Bible staple. So as we pull back the veil, you will get resistance like this when you look up some of the names in the future. And you have to be willing to do this tedious and monotonous and mundane work if you really seek to uncover the truth, okay? Root your searches in definitions that trace back to the Hebrew language. Because religion is not and is never going to be Elohim's way, all right? And that's why all religions have some truth, but we're going to find 
um, and continue to find flaws in each and every one of them. All right, because we're on this journey to free ourselves. So let's keep going. Hadaram is next. Hadaram means the uh, comes from the verb hadar, which means glory, and rum, which means to be on high. So glory exalted is how we translate that. Uzal means vanish or going away. Dikla means palm tree from the word dakal, which means to rock to and fro. Uh-oh. The last time we read the words to and fro, it was out of Satan's mouth to Job in chapters one and two. Okay. The palms brought me right to Jesus entering Jerusalem. Y'all, I'm starting to feel some kind of way about this. No, for real. Okay. Because Jesus is being correlated too many times to the dark side. And I don't like it because I asked for the truth. So I continue. But what, what are we going to do if he's not who we thought? Like, I'm going to be praying that whatever our reaction is, it's the reaction that pleases the most high God or that he forgive me if this journey breaks my heart because y'all feel me like I want to do what's righteous, but I grew up with the name of Jesus. I have love rooted in it. So I'm not liking what I'm finding. I'm being honest. All right. But I want to be upright. So let's continue. Next up, we have Obal, which means not clouded not covered, which basically means naked, right? And then we have Abimael. We got an L name on the wrong side again, y'all. That means it's a commandment three breaker alert, all right? Which means my father from God or God is father. Sheba is next. She has two meanings, all right? So first means oath or the number seven. And the second means Come, meaning comes from Shaba, which is Hebrew for captive. All right. So the first Sheba we can associate with Bathsheba, David's wife, um, and Solomon's mama, or Solomon's wife too, if we actually go into that. But anyway, we, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. It's a lot going on. All right. Then we got next up Ophir, and Ophir comes from the word Eper in Hebrew, which means ashes. So we translate that to depleted or exhausted. Right. Havilah comes from the verb hawa, which is me, which means to gather into symbiosis. All right. Symbiosis is a mutual union for the benefit of each part's survival by relying on each other. So it's basically a partnership. And then laha comes is the verb uh, that um, means languish or failing to make progress. All right. Then we got the name Misha. All right. Which means retreat. And then we got Sephara which is from the word sefer, meaning to record or count. It's the census, which basically means in numbers. All right, bake it all up, throw it into a pan. What does it mean? It reads, he will be small, immeasurable, drawn out the village of death, a moon glory exalted going away, to and fro, naked. God is father, an oath or a promise, depleted. A partnership, failing to make progress, retreat in numbers. Wow, that was pretty clear to me. Y'all pray and and see what it means to you. And then DM me at Book of Joe Podcast on Instagram, okay? Now, we finally can get to Genesis chapter 11, verse 18 through 26. After we translate this, we'll come back to the beginning of this uh, chapter. And it's relatively short. And then I'll let y'all go, all right? So we read down 
Shem's line from Peleg, all right, from the Peleg Jogten split, all right. But we didn't read Peleg yet. We got to read Peleg's line now, all right. And it reads Peleg, which means division, Reu, which means friend or associate, Serug, which means branch, Nahor, which means snort or scorched, Tara, from the word Tara, which means to patiently breathe, or from the verb Ruach, which means breath or spirit. You guys have heard of Ruach before, right? So it can also mean that. Um, it can also mean that, meaning spirit, all right? So what do we got? Division, associate, scorched branch, and spirit. All right, now we got Abram, Nahor, and Haran as the next list of names. These are three more brothers. Last one listed is the oldest, which serves the youngest, who is the first one listed. All right, I explained that a little earlier, but we see that again here. Abraham is the young one. Haran is the old one. The old one serves the young one. And the middle one is a mess. Okay, here we go. So Abraham means the exalted father. Nehor means scorched. Haran means mountain. All right, just like Jabal means mountain. Okay, here we go. Haran, the mountain. Lot, the covering. All right, so the mountain covering was Lot. This is how the line is brought back into the fold of the blessing. Abram's lineage will take in Haran's lineage through Lot, just as Seth took in his older brother Abel's lineage, all right? Just as Shem takes in Japheth's lineage, all right? So then we have Abram and Nahor, they took wives, all right? I'm sorry, I'm bugging. I'm sorry. Haran is the lost lineage and and he gets taken in or, or redeemed I believe I'm losing it anyway no 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 I had it right I had it right scrap what I just said I had it right trust your notes Joe <laughs> so just as Shem takes in Japheth's we then have Abram and Nahor they both took wives which is pleasing to El Shaddai verse 29 says Abraham's wife was Sarai or Sarai and Nahor's wife was Milcah, all right? So Sarai means the ruling body from the verb Sarah. In government, this would be established uh, um, as the Senate. It also means princess. And Milcah, Nahor's wife, means queen. So Milcah was the daughter of the eldest brother, Haran, and she was also Lot's sister. Therefore, we now have uh, Sarai, who couldn't have children. Um, so, wait, 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 wait. Okay, Haran is Lot's sister, therefore. That's what that should sound like. Sorry, guys. And now Sarai, um, she couldn't have children. So how is this lineage going to continue with the blessing of the younger brother if the older brother, Abram's wife, could not conceive? Some of y'all know the answer, but we didn't get there yet. All right, so we'll just say glory to El Shaddai for the testimony of Sarai and Abram, right? I only bring it up because this is the one time that we see the lesser trump the major when we're talking about women, all right, so far. And because in essence, we have the princess, um, she's going to get blessed over the queen, all right? Sarai will be blessed over Milka. Okay, y'all, 
So the work is done, all right? We hear the prophetic poetry that is written into the bloodline through the namesake of each mentioned individual. Why is all of this important? Well, because chapter 11, verse one, it says, the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. Now, we know who the whole earth is because we just did. We just figured it out. So Shem, Ham, and Japheth lineage is the whole earth. With Shem's replacing Japheth's and Ham being the cursed bloodline, we know Shem's line encompasses the Hebrews, Eber. We also know that the, e the Hebrews have a promise from Elohim and El Shaddai to look forward to. So we followed them. Then the Hebrews are divided at Peleg and Joktan. And Joktan's line stops at Misha, but Peleg's line continues under God's grace. Then Abram, Nahor, and Haran were born to Terah, all right? Haran's line joins with Abram and Nahor's line, leads to a dead end. Nahor's line goes to a dead end, all right? Ooh, it's, it's confusing and complicated, but we got it. Stay with me. He Then we go to chapter 11, verse 2. And it says, The people traveled out of the trash, out of the east, and dwelt in Shinar, which was from Han, Ham's line. All right? So Ham's line is cursed. Verse 3, it says, And they said one to another, Go, let us make brick. They used godlike language there with that let us make. They were building with the intent to replace God or honestly, they were building so that they could survive another flood so that they could, they could sin and the tower would be high enough that the water wouldn't catch them um, if God decided to destroy the earth again. All right, so let's skip to verse four. And then they said, these, these Hebrews that have gone astray from Ham's line, go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top unto heaven, and let us make a name, lest we be, or to prevent us from being, scattered abroad on the face of the whole earth. Let us make brick. Let us make a name. Commandment two and, and commandment three. Motivation right there. All right? No graven images, no names in vain. All right? So building to heaven, that's commandment one being broken. No God before El Shaddai. So they are wilding. All right. So what happened? Verse five, chapter 11, it says, and El Shaddai came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men built. All right. Children of men are disobedient. Is the son of man like this too? I don't know. I'm just making notes. Then what? Verse six. And El Shaddai said, behold, the people won and they have all one language. And this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them. So this is the power of a fully unified people. They will see no boundaries. They won't have any respect for authority. They will have no restraint. If this is the first thing they can think to do with that power, try to reach us, is what El Shaddai is saying. Which they have imagined to do, it says. This is what they fantasize is possible. That's what that means. All right. So El Shaddai was having no parts and he confounded their language because words have power 
And this was not how God saw their power being used for good. So we're not going to get into how in verse 8, God does exactly what verse 4 says the people thought he would do. That's a whole nother thing. But I will just let you know that it's because of the L names in the wrong side. They know God's ways, even if they don't follow them. All right. These are the fallen angels. They know the spiritual consequence of this act. All right. So sin will take you out of the presence of God every time, y'all. We know that. That's a Bible staple. Here we go. In verse 9, it says, Therefore is the name of it, the city, called Babel, colon. Explanation is coming when we got that colon. Because El Shaddai did there confound the language of all the earth. And it goes on to say that he scattered them. Why did they make this clarification? Well, they make the clarification that Babel is referring to the definition that says God confounded the language because of the title of this lesson. We want to be clear that this is Babel, not Babe El. Babe El is the gate of God and Babel ain't nothing but a city of confusion. Understand? All right, y'all did it. Thank y'all for listening. Um, we'll, pa- we'll pick up um, next week or next time, whatever God brings, whenever he brings me back to you guys, um, with what happens after chapter 11, verse 31, where it says, and Terah, the spirit that took Abraham, the exalted father, his son, and Lot, the covering, and Sarai, the princess, and the new ruling government body, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abraham's wife, or Abraham's wife, And they went forth with them from light, which is Ur, that's what Ur means, of the Chaldees, protecting spirits, to go to the land of Canaan, the land of international trade. And they came to Haran, the mountain, and dwelt there. All right? I had so much fun with this, you guys. I hope you did too. It's so great to see what happens when we do these translations. Um, So we'll see what happens when God brings us back together. But until then, I love you. But God loves you way more than me. Happy Sabbath and I'll see you next time. The Book of Joe is but a portion of a family ministry called the Black Love Smiths. To follow the Black Love Smiths, you can do so at Black Love Smiths on Instagram or Facebook. To get into contact with Joe, please email bookofjoe at gmail.com. God bless you.